Welcome to the Film Crew Love Podcast. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Film Crew Love Podcast, the labor of film love, the love of film labor. I'm your host, Tep, and I got my special guest here, Brother Anderson. Say what's up to the people. Hey, Tep, how are you, buddy? How Good, you doing? man. Good. You surviving this uh, pandemic? As best as I can, as best as we all can, you know, under the circumstances, I'd like to consider myself one of the fortunate ones. Because, you know, I'm here with my family. I mean, yeah, we are self-quarantining and all of that, but, you know. There, you know, there's some people out there that aren't as fortunate, you know, and, uh, you know, my thoughts are with everybody out there that's kind of going through this crisis together. Yes, it's a humbling time. Um, it is. What a time man. to be alive, huh? Man. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. It's a humbling oh, time. Man. Yeah, man. I it's mean, a... between this, we're 100 years between the Spanish flu and this, and, uh, you know, we chose this time. But you know what? We'll get through it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get through it. Um, so, um I'm not going to go over your bio, man. I actually want people to do their own homework. But um, I'm just going to hop right into it. You're an assistant director in television. Uh, I'm sure you have past, present, and future aspirations. We'll get into those. Uh, I guess, you know, I'm going to just do a question and answer session with you, man. Um, um, Being in television, film, and music videos and commercials and uh, and the like, uh, talk about a project that had you ready to quit. Like ready to turn it, turn your walk in and walk away. One that sticks out a day, a week, or a show that you were like, "I'm, I'm, I'm out of here." <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, the first show that came to mind was a show actually you and I did. So I'm not sure this was a setup, Tap, and you knew my answer beforehand. But uh, no <laughs> ironically, clue. no clue, no clue. Okay, okay. Well, ironically, it was a, um, I, it was a remake. And the show, the project was called uh, Less Than Zero, which was obviously based from the original. And um, boy, that show was challenging eight ways to Sunday. And I, I, I remember there was a point where I was just like, you know what? I've had enough and I was going to walk off. Now, here's the thing about walking off of jobs, Tep. You know, for me, it's never a question of, you know, if I choose to stay, it's never, it's, you know, fortunately, maybe early in my career, but, you know, over the past, I'd say decade, if I choose to stay on it, if I choose to stay on a job that I'm not enjoying, it's never because of the money. You know, it's usually, for, it's almost always because of peace of mind, or there's just some really, really difficult personality that's in my way of having, a, you know, of having a really good work experience. So that said, um... <laughs> I'm not sure why I didn't walk off this job, but I do remember feeling like, you know what, I'm done. And yeah. um, the only reason I didn't was because, it, you know, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel was really short. Had that job not been a pilot, had that been like a, an entire season that I would have had to commit it to, there's no question I would have walked away. It's funny. You mentioned um, creativity, uh, work environment, or money. Is all, all, you know, that's kind of like the trinity of why people are in this industry. Uh, if you had to rank those three, creativity uh the work environment or the money uh and these things fluctuate between jobs and where you are in your life and your passion uh how would you rank them based off of uh where you are or where you aspire to be well i think all of us jump in and the criteria is uh, creativity money and what's the, the third work, the work environment no, the work environment okay the work environment well it, it, you know this the, this answer is gonna it's going to fluctuate depending on job title, right? Um, depending on where you are in the call sheet. So, you know, say for example, and, and I'll try to answer it quick. I know we're on, you don't want to run this podcast too long, but it's, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. The, the thing is, is if say you're a, uh, as an AD, right? As a first AD, um, you know, we aren't so much involved in the, creative element you know we're more logistical beast right would you agree with that yes yeah okay so so that said um you know the 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 time where we get the most creative is when we are say casting the background you know and we may collaborate with the director the director may say hey listen i don't give a shit about the background 
Anderson, this is your world, you handle it. And then you get to have fun. You get to read the script. You get to kind of see, you know, and then you got to go through casting. You get the photos from Central or whoever your casting agency is. And you kind of get the opportunity to decide, hey, you know, I like this face and I know this person. This person would be a good role. That's kind of our creative element. And then on the day, you know, our creativity kind of comes with just creating the world, right? Because the actor director deals directly with the actors and we deal directly with everything else. So, you know, it may be as simple or sound as simple as just, you know, getting the right cars or setting the right crosses or putting the right background actors around. That's the extent of our creativity. Okay. Um, as far as work environment, we really have, we don't really have that much control over it. I mean, you know, we could decide who we could bring in from our world, say vis-a-vis central casting, yada, yada. You know what I mean? And, and that's about it. And then lastly, the money. Well, I mean, if it, if, if it wasn't for the money, I, we can't do it for free. Can't live in Los Angeles and, and live for free. So that said, if I had to rank it as an AD, I would say work environment first. That's number one for me. Um, creativity. Eh, ooh, creativity probably second. And then uh, third would be the money. Now would be the money 10 something years in. Um, maybe back early in my career, I would have switched that number and probably would have gave my money a little bit higher priority. But that's when I was breaking myself into the game. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I'd, say, I'd say in that order. But here's the thing. Uh, I'm really tempted to put creativity up at the top. Simply because, you know, um, when you say, at, you, you know, you, you finish by saying where you aspire to be. I guess, you know, aspiring, I'm always working and I'm always doing creative stuff on my own time, right? That's not, where I, that's not what pays my bills, but it's certainly what keeps me going and keeps me excited. So um, on my personal time, same when I'm directing or when I'm producing or anything in that capacity, and it's projects that are a little bit smaller and, and we're not doing these big multi-million dollar projects that we normally work on. Um, yeah, that's creativity is paramount, you know? And then I would probably rank it in that space when I'm wearing that hat, then it's creativity. Um, second would be the people. And then third would be money. I think money's always going to be third. So let's just say that. So and if a one and two will flip-flop between creativity and the people. And um, like I said, when you're doing your own projects, you have the luxury of bringing in the people that you really fuck with you know what i mean and that's yeah. that's important you know what i mean because you're just like well you know what like you know you call me right here you know for this podcast yo anderson that's my guy you know what i mean so you, you know you have a little bit more control when it's your projects when you don't you know you surrender that control when you know it's universal calling you to do the next big blockbuster i said the same thing i said work environments the, the space the ability to be in different locations and with different folks on a daily basis uh, resonates with me mm-hmm. uh, um and you know the money I had third as well. As long as my essentials are covered, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how I jive, man. Uh, speaking of <clears throat> this industry, man, you know it, it's expanded uh, tenfold in the last decade. Um, if you had to rank, I mean, this is for you know the novices that are coming up, or even those that are uh, trying to determine their path, man. If you get had to rank uh, your preference of working on projects, would it be between television, film? commercials or music videos uh how would you rank them and why i I love this question um because you know again there's really no pat answer and i want you know your audience the audience here to listen up because this is you know again it's yeah it it sounds it sounds like oh you know it's basic you know what's one two three but it, it really isn't because so many of those things you know, so many of so many criteria is involved in in answering which genre I like best. Right. Here's the deal. Um, working in Los Angeles, California, as a father, of, a husband and a father of two, you know, I it's important for me to be close to my family. Um, I know a lot of people who work in this industry who, uh, you know, kind of uh, broke, you know, gave up. And their family and not necessarily gave up on, but weren't able to sustain and maintain their family because they were out on the road too much. You know, that means coming back to a wife who doesn't know you anymore. Kids who you do barely recognize, you know what I mean? And, and, and all the, you know, the, 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 the consequences that come with being a, you know, a traveling roadie or working for the circus as we like to call it, you know? So, um, and to that point, you know, 2007 writer strike, if I'm not mistaken, I think took a lot of our, 
feature film work and sent it abroad, you know, and by abroad, I mean just out of Los Angeles, whether that's Atlanta, Georgia, Chicago, overseas, Canada, wherever, right? Just a lot of work got furloughed out, got furloughed out of LA. So, you know, um, maybe back in 2007, when work was consistently in LA and you could work either on a feature or a TV because, you know, we were, you know, it was like that, I would have probably said feature film. And every, every answer that I give to that question is going to be based off of my willingness to stay home and my desire not to leave my family. So here, short answer is this. I prefer the filmmaking, movie making uh, genre above all. Um, I like the page count. I like the fact that, you know, there's a little bit more attention to the aesthetic detail and the aesthetic quality. And that's because, you know, you get your little 35, 40 day movie and they're like, here you go. Just get all your work in, you know, and, you know, you break, you, you know, when you do your breakdown, you break down your script and you're doing three, four pages a day. It, it's not as it's not as labor intensive, whereas in television, at least this has been my experience. And I don't know if this has been yours, Tep. You could speak on it. Um. You know, you're getting eight, nine, ten pages a day, and the producers are just like, go, go, go. You know what I mean? And if there's a water bottle in the shot, sometimes they just kick it under the freaking sofa. Let's go. We got to get this shot. It's a little bit more yeah. of a pressure cooker. You know what I mean? And um, that's not to say that there's not attention to detail. There's not this. It's just, it's, it's certainly a little bit more conveyor belt style, McDonald's style. You know what I mean? Um, not all television, but, you know, historically that whole 22 episode, episodic television world was a little bit, you know, a little bit faster. So, yeah, I would rank it in terms of actually doing it, um, films, uh, TV. Um, I hate music videos, man. Fuck music videos, dog. <laughs> I hate fucking music videos. I don't know anybody who likes music videos except directors. Can you, am I wrong? Nah, nah, it's not it. But, you know, a lot of, you know, effects kids move to the city and they, you know, they uh, get inspired by Hype Williams or Little X or whoever. And want to get into music videos and think, you know, that's got a lot of folks that transitioned in. Uh, <clears throat> but when I first got into the industry, I actually asked a guy that and he mentioned uh, liking commercials first because I guess he had a lot of commercial work, but he just said the, the pay was good and the end was near. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had a lot of connections with that. But that was, you know, over a decade ago. Um I like TV because it's consistent. And like you said, it's in town. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I mentioned family of two, uh, you know, and wife as well. Um, but the conveyor belt thing is very, uh, that's, that's a big issue. So if you could acquiesce some of that pressure to just get to more of the creative side where we're not trying to be up against the clock all the time, that'd be the ideal setting. Um, you know, movies are uh, second. Uh, I like commercials if they're available and, um, and, you know, music videos, you know, if, if the setting is, I did a music video last year, which was easy because it was daylight exterior. It was in the backyard of a cookout and it was, you know, as soon as the sun set by six o'clock, it was over. Mm, uh, that's love. But yeah, so it was, you know, it was fun. It was just kind of backyard vibe. But, um, you know, <clears throat> prior to that, I did a Drake video with um, two chains and if that thing didn't go like 24 hours, man, in a back door studio or, mm -hmm. you know, a little lot in North Hollywood somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just like, I, you know, that was a, gr was, that, it was a grind. It was a grind. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, that was just a favor for somebody that was years ago. And it was just like, tap. I said, okay, sure. You know, but that's like, nah. <clears throat> well, you know, the thing is too, I, you know, I was, you know, my, my introduction to the film game, was as a production assistant on an office production assistant to boot on Mara Brock Akil's Girlfriends. I believe it was season two. And um, I, I say this to say that, you know, I, I really know, I'm more familiar with the narrative, with the narrative uh, storytelling structure in, the, in, in relation to film. And, you know, music videos is really just all about, well, not always, because, you know, there are the anomalies and the outliers, but mostly about the aesthetic, right? I mean, you know, rims, tires, beautiful girl, nice house, you know what I mean? Right. Tight in on some jewelry, you know, tight on this, coverage on that. 
you know, and then you get a couple of, you know, maybe wide, you know, establishings, you know, some, you know, some uh, good production value shots, yada, yada. Bob's your uncle. You're out of there. Right. right. Um, I think that's what turns me really off about the whole music video thing is because I never really liked I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a cinephile, you know, I'm, right. I'm a TV cinephile. You know, I didn't really jump in this business to sit here and organize, you know, uh, this next shot, you know, involving, you know, this this high end liquor being held by this set artist because, you know, it's whatever. You know what I mean? I'm just that ain't my bag. You know what I mean? Um, now, if I'm directing it, which I have directed a few music videos, it's different. And again, you know, I, it's important that, you know, our listeners understand that there's a difference between a first assistant director and the director, you know, and the hats that we wear are completely, you know, you know, the, it, the collaboration is necessary for the, you know, for, to get the job done. But the hats that we wear and our MOs and, you know, the lens that we kind of view things from are a little bit different in terms of our end game. So, you know, as a music director, as a music, as a director in any capacity, man. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love music videos. You know what I mean? If, I, if I'm directing it, dude, give me, if, if I'm directing, period, it could be anything. Dude, I'm in love. You know what I mean? Um. But man, I cannot okay, get that. Asp- you got some aspirational tones. I'm gonna ask you something about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, tell me about like a job that you passed on that you regret not taking. Oh, <laughs> the one that got away. And well, you know, or the one that you said. You know, all these yeah. questions. I swear to God, Jeff, it's as if you know you you're asking questions that like usually people you know these lines of questions comes and I have to take a second to think. But it's just funny because. First question, you know, with less than zero. And now this one, you know, I, I have my I have my answer in the bag. And and that one is uh, that job was easy. It was, it was Macbeth. That answer, that question was easy. And the job was Macbeth. The job was with Mac, was Macbeth starring Francis McDormand, Denzel Washington and directed by Joel Cohen. Um, I interviewed for that job. In. December or, or actually I interviewed for the job in December. They went into production. I believe it was February. It had all the bells and whistles. I mean, it was, it, you know, come on. It's got Jolie, the Cole, it's got the Cohen brothers. It's got Denzel. It's got Francis McDormand, you know, two Academy Award winners, you know, but the problem was, and, and, and I love the first AD, but the, pro, but the problem was that I turned it down because they wanted me to come in and second, second AD. And even though I got the job, um, and for those who don't know, guys, you know, the, 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 the whole assistant director rank, I'm sure, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of industry people mm-hmm. type are going to be part of this audience. But for those who aren't, I just want to make sure I clarify some things and, and not leave it to, to guess. But, you know, the, the ranks of assistant directors, you know, additional AD, you know, uh, second, second, key second, and first AD. Right, those are the ranks. And I had just wrapped a show from um, Ava DuVernay called Cherish the Day as her first AD. It's an episodic show. We did uh, 10 episodes. I did blocks two and blocks four. And, um, you know, you come off of that, man. It's just like you don't really want to take, take, you know, two steps back, even if it is for Francis, because I just felt, you know, I don't want to start branding myself. I didn't want to start branding myself as an AD who does you know who's down to do second second work you know i wanted to just make the transition stick to my guns and take jobs and offers and interviews as a first ad and not as a second second so you know that's definitely a job but you know and then of course this whole covid 19 thing blows up you know literally weeks into the job so had i had known i would have at least taken the job with the understanding that you know what this pandemic's about to happen so you you know it'll get cut short in the middle <laughs> Yeah. So hindsight being yeah. twenty twenty, I have a lot of regrets about about not taking that job at the time. I knew I was making, I made a sound decision, and I was I was confident with the decision I made. But now I'm just like, man, had I just taken that job, dog, I'd have started in February. I'd have worked till like you know, I'd have started in February. I'd have made the plugs. I'd have talked to everybody, yada yada, and then they would have been like, all right, we're stopping production March fifteenth, guys, because you know, global pandemic in effect. And I would have been like, good. You know, what I mean, I'm in the bag. I got the relationships. I'm out. And then you don't have the, uh, you know, you don't, you're not liable or at least you're not obligated to have to come back and, you know, after whenever this thing settles to take the job because everything's going to be a mess. So here we are. That, that's, that's a gray area that we never, you know, just so those that are listening know, both Anderson and I came up through the uh, Director's Guild training program years ago. And uh, they gave us classes about, you know, all the facets of the industry. 
but they never really got into the decision-making process of taking jobs, passing on jobs, jumping on another job, that whole transition, that gray area, Mm -hmm. which always fascinated me because those are heavy decisions about uh, should I take this job? How long does this go? Second, second, or first key, or, you know, uh, first AD, you know, all these different things that um, you had to make uh, transitioning. And then if you taught everyone, you know, uh, eight to ten months ago that a pandemic was coming in February or March, mm-hmm. uh, they would have adjusted themselves accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I guess it, what it's going to do is have a lot of folks going to realize, hey, which we do anyway, because yeah. you always the, the ideal is like, OK, which one of these goes the longest? Mm-hmm. That's normally what a yes. lot of folks say. OK, this show goes until July. Mm-hmm. That one goes until Memorial Day. I'm going to ride this one. Yeah, out. I'm going to ride this one. Out. Exactly. Yeah. So that's always um, kind of a decision making process for me. Which one goes longer? Which one goes longer? Uh, it's, a, it's a big one. Which one goes longer? It's yeah. a big one. Mine is where mine is a um, who's who's on it. I usually start yeah. there, you know what I mean? Um, so I get to, and then I get a taste of what, you know, in this case, I was like, well, what am I doing? Who's on it? She's like, well, it's directed by, these are the actors. I was like, okay, that's exciting. And it, it was exciting, not just from a fan standpoint, because, you know, and, and here's the thing, you know, as ADs, we kind of have this thing where we, we, you know, we're fans. A lot of times, we, you know, we love the people we work with and we probably appreciated their work long before we took the job. But it's funny how quickly we, you know, we just go into work mode and it's just like, all right, guys, we're coworkers. You know what I mean? Like from the moment that we shake hands, which I don't think we'll be doing anymore, but from the moment we greet each other, it's just like, okay, cool. You know, it could be whoever's sitting in front of you, Al Pacino, I don't care who it is, but then you just kind of go right into, into work mode. I think picking jobs based off who's working on it is more a creative decision for me than it is, oh, it's just, it's because it's Denzel or it's because it's Francis McDormand. There's also a creative element that goes into that because you know the quality of work that you're gonna that they do and that they've been a part of. You know, you are, you know, you're hitching your your star onto that wagon and lending your stuff onto, you know, because dude, I mean, come on, man. Blood simple, uh, no country for old men, Fargo. Hey, what? Who wouldn't want to be a part of the filmmakers that made those films? You know what I mean? Right. Like that's just it's a no-brainer. So when you know, when you throw out those names at me, I'm I'm drawing, I'm making my own decisions not based off of what people would think is the reasoning behind it but something a little bit more and for me it's just the excitement of being something because listen I still don't have I don't have my screener film in my resume yet I still don't have that Mm. do you have a screener film in your resume no I mean and I've always wanted I've always wanted that you know I think Mr. and Pete you know, some, I just some little quiet indie, something that just ends up blowing up and then does great in award season. I didn't have that. And I thought, you know, Macbeth would have been that shot had they had offered me a bigger title, but they didn't. So here we are. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Let me, let me ask you this. What, uh, so who are your OGs in this industry? Oh, two. David Bernstein, for one. Uh, Bernie's a great guy. Uh, I love him to pieces. But the thing about Bernie is... <laughs> It is and his, yeah, for, who's Bernstein for those? Oh, that don't David know. Bernstein. Uh, he's Clint Eastwood's guy. Uh, he did all of uh, yeah. Clint's movies, uh, at least the past ten or eleven films. He he uh, did. Um, I think most recently he did the one uh, involving the uh, 1996 Olympic bombing. Um, and yeah. I know they were getting. I know Clint Eastwood was getting roasted for that dog. They was cooking him because I I don't, I don't know the politics behind it. I kind of but I remember looking on my, on the social medias, and they were just giving him shit. But you know whatever, man. It's it's art. You know what I mean? People are gonna get judged and criticized. But anyway, a Bernie, 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 which is what I affectionately call him. He's my he's one of my OGs in the game. He's been doing this longer than I have. You know, almost possibly even twice as long. And he's been doing it at a very high level. But what I love about his ass is, um, is just, you know, with, with all that knowledge and stuff, we, we just, we have a with relationship, you know, him being a short, fat Jew and me being, you know, you know, a short black New Yorker. You know what I mean? That's just, that just feels like we've known each other for like a hundred years. You know what I mean? So, you know, and he cares about a lot. He cares a lot. That's, let me just say it that way. He cares a lot and he knows a lot. And he was able to really take me through some tough times, you know, when I didn't know, you know, when I was having maybe just personality conflicts or, you know, I was worried about losing my job or, or things that, you know, that we all kind of go through when we're navigating this business, right? Like we all go through these little bumps and these little bruises and 
and we can't talk to our family members because they don't know the game like that, right? So that's why we have our OG. So, you know, whenever I call Bernie, man, he just give me like that off the cuff, just that real, you know? And then you're just like, all right, boom, I know how to move through it. And there's also comfort in, in knowing when, you know, when you talk to your OGs, right? Your, the whole reason we have them is because they already been there. You know what I mean? So Bernie's one. The other one is David Ticketon. And David Ticketon and I go back to like my second job as a DGA trainee. And uh, he's a New York Puerto Rican. And uh, he goes back with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he's been doing this. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, he was a PA on Raging Bull. Dog, what? <laughs> I'm just like, how far back? No. A long time ago. So, you know, he's, you know, but the thing, you know, David's, David's family, you know, and David's that guy who, again, like Bernie, but maybe even more so is a guy who like, you know, I'm going through anything, dog. I'm texting him. I could be having issues with family. You know what I mean? Like family issues. It could be just arguments or whatever. You know, it's just like I'm texting him because the one thing I, the one of the reasons why I kind of always kind of made sure that I wanted to, you know, have him in my in my life was simply because he had a life that I wanted before I even got in the business. You know. When I got in the business and I, I looked at people who are living the life that I kind of want, I want for myself, you know, he was one of the first people I saw. He was one of the first cats I knew who had a functional working family. You know what I mean? Like, and there was out there getting it and getting those big jobs and kind of juggling the work family life and doing it at a very, very high level. And I was just like, yo, yeah. okay, that right there. Okay. That right there. That's, you got the yeah, balance. you got that balance. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was and he got yeah yeah he got a good and he has a good track record Ooh. there that, that's that's i mean you, you you're making sacrifices in this industry man but but uh to be able to uh check the boxes on you know three out of five oh things, my god uh yo you're winning. winning and the you dude know. have fly cars i was like yo you got yeah. them you got uh, them whips I was like, <laughs> he pull up with a, in a yeah. different car every day i'm like yo for real you got the five day a week joints he pulled up in the range and the yeah. porsche i was just like all right get out of here you know what I mean? But the thing is, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong. I know I'm kind of selling him as if he's like really flossy. Nah, he is. If you saw him, he just looked like, you know, I, I don't know how to describe it. Just a regular old grunt. You know what I mean? He ain't really got no fancy shoes, but everything behind. He don't front. You know what I mean? Like ain't no fancy stuff, but everything else is just like you said, three, four, five of those boxes just checked off. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, that's what we yeah. strive for, man. I mean, we we strive to be not just the best ADs we want, you know, and the best assistant directors and the best directors, man, because, you know, when we, when we, when it's all said and done, you know, we got our last two, three hours on earth, man. I really doubt that the thing we going to be talking about was this last movie I did. <laughs> I mean, I think right. the things we going to be talking about was, you know, how's my baby girl? You know what I mean? Is she getting married? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, whatever, whatever, but it ain't going to be this. You know what I mean? So, you know, balance. Yeah. That work-life balance. Oh my God, man. This could be a this could be a podcast. We could do a podcast on work-life balance and the importance of it alone. And it wouldn't just resonate with just us. I think everybody, and no matter what industry you are, could could relate to that. You know what I mean? I, it's just, you know, and, yeah. and of course, assuming that they're not single, yada yada, you know, whatever. But that work-life balance is big. It's big. Let me ask you this, man. Um getting to the nitty-gritty of how you operate on set i mean like what's your sweet spot i mean what's the setting is the day is the night you're on stage you're on location I, you know I, I, uh I'm, is it background I'm, I'm not a fan i'm not a know. fan of stage work stage work is very claustrophobic for me i've never really been a fan of it um you know i'm really more excited to be out and about on the road you know um i when i so your, your exterior yes. day or exterior night you're downtown you're not in the Hollywood Hills, you're on the beach. Oh, where okay. Are you? Let me narrow it down, narrow it down. Give me I'll a give sweet you, spot. I'll narrow it down. I'll narrow yeah. it down. Um, exterior, like, so here, for, for instance, for me, I said, uh, give me exterior day, downtown, street lockups, uh, car chase sequence with stuntmen, uh, and um, and uh, three or four street lockup, and it's about four o'clock, so I got about 90 minutes left until the okay. sun goes down. Well, <laughs> if we're going to do it that way, I, you know, I, I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my my ideal scenario that I actually that I actually lived and I actually did, and that was 8 p.m. or 8 p.m. crew call, okay, 
to shoot all the way till about sunrise, which was around 5.30 a.m. And um, we have, you know, 60 or 60 picture cars, um, two hero vehicles, and we're locking up the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah, that was probably the most, the most ideal scenario. So to your, I guess to your point, anything in that space yeah. is ideal for me. Now, here's the thing. What might be like, yo, 8 p.m., call, are you insane? Who wants to do night work? All right, let me rephrase it. It doesn't really matter whether it's 8 p.m. or 8 a.m. Because the rush and the, and, and the adrenaline rush and the high I get from being in that environment, you know, it, it, uh, it supersedes time. You know, so that's good. That's good. What what um what do you tell what do you tell Crafty to have during that in that setting? What does props have for you? What does the PAs have? What do you have? If you you know if you're on walkie in, mm-hmm, in that setting, mm-hmm. uh, you know for me I you know I what's your go to snack of choice? So what's your you know what do props have for you to get you going? Or what is the PAs? Well, you know, if, what are the well, elements if, you need? If it's to, night work. Uh, if it's night work, I'm keeping Red Bulls on deck. That's my thing. I'm not a coffee person, and I try not to do too many Red Bulls because I know it's not good for, for me. You know what I mean? But, you know, I like the, I like the flavor, and it, gives, it certainly gets me going. You know what I'm saying? Um, go-to snack is anything that's mobile, man. Like, I'm not really – don't put anything in a plate for me, dog. Just keep it mobile. You know, maybe a burrito, maybe some granola in a cup. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, all this, you know, by the way, you know, sidebar, all this, all this crafty talk and how they, how we do food, that's going to be a big thing that changes once post COVID-19. Right. But yeah. Um, and as far as everything else, you know, usually, hopefully, ideally, all my elements are already in place. You know what I mean? From, you know, from prep and, and, and everything and, and uh, scouting. But, you know, f- for the most part, you know, I like to really be lean. I, I love to be streamlined. I'm not a, per- I'm not an AD that likes to have, you know, the gold fold in the back pocket, the utility belt, the freaking chest pack. And man, like all that stuff is just, is just, is just, it's too busy for me, you know? And I really just like concentrating on what's in front of me. Now, as a second second, which I was on that Jason Bourne project, which is, by the way, guys, that, that's the project that I did in Vegas that we had 60 cars, two crash vehicles, and uh, excuse me, two hero cars, and we were just blowing shit up, dogs, and it was amazing. I've never seen that many. I've, uh, you know what, Ted? I have really never seen or ever been on a job with that kind of with that ridiculous kind of dough, where it's just like you just crash a car, and they're like, "All right, bring out the next one." It was almost like there was right. no budget. Like, just fuck it. Let's just wing it, and let's just keep getting this stuff till we get it. So that was amazing. But um. Yeah, anything in that space, man. Anything in that space that we're, you know, that that kind of do this. I want to be streamlined. I don't want to have. I don't want to be bogged down. I'm and as a first AD, you know, as a second second, it's different. You know, I I probably keep a little a lot more stuff on because I'm working. You know, I got a different hat on. But as a first AD dog, all I want are my sides and my walkie. That's it. You know what I mean? That's it. I want it. I don't want to yeah. be bogged down. All right, tell me what kind of PA team you're looking for, or production team, you know, people are looking to get All on, right. staff. This is a good question. Uh, Here's my deal. My, my first priority is experience. And, and it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, in terms of this. It, it just, you need to know to work, how to work your way around the set. You need to know the language. You know, if I tell you, hey, do, do me a favor, go run and get this six bank out the honey wagon. I don't need you to be like, what's a six bank? What's a honey wagon? You know what I mean? Like, you got to know the basic terms, the lingo, whatever, because... You know, our whole situation is, is time-based, right? We run on time, you know, and we, we're time managers and we're supposed to be highly efficient. Anybody less than that is not efficient. They can't work for us. All right, boom. The next thing I look for, you know, is diversity. And I know this that's such a buzzword and it's so cliche, but here's the deal, man. As a black man, you know, who knows that there's less than 10% of the men or men and women who make up the Directors Guild of America are black men, you know? And, and it, it goes so on and so on, you know, outside of the white man's scope. Everything is just a small little piece of the pie that we all share. Um, I make it a conscious effort to kind of be diverse because I want to make sure that everyone's getting an, an opportunity, you know? Um, I don't want to leave the onus on 
look, there's no obligation for a white guy. And this, I'm not really trying to throw anybody under the bus, but I just don't see any reason why a white guy would want to make it a point to make sure that things are diverse. I mean, what interest does he have in that? You know, why would that person be motivated to even hire like that? You know what I mean? Um, I don't even expect a person who doesn't, who doesn't come from a cultural background that's in the minority speaking, you know, employment speaking, to have that kind of thinking. You know, I don't expect them to think like that. So I assume that most people who are in a position to do that ain't trying to go out their way to make it happen unless corporate, unless corporate has told them specifically, hey, guys, you need to diversify. So I've always made it a point myself to make sure that I take the initiative. And I take that initiative because I understand what it's like to want to break into the industry and not have those kind of relationships or people not even want to look at you or give you the opportunity because they don't remind you don't remind them of someone that they went high school with or speak the language that they speak or just have this common whatever, whatever, whatever. So that's the next thing I do. You know what I mean? So I hire on ability first. Okay. And then the next thing is important for me is just to have diverse, you know, it's just to have diversity. Yeah. You know, I, I want to, you know, uh, I want a woman. I want, you know, a person of color. I want, you know, I, I want a white dude. You know, I want, I want a nice little, a nice little balance of everything and everyone. The one thing I don't want, you know, or I, or I really want to avoid is too much of anything that's already that. I just don't want to have a lot of white guys, dog. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because y'all got all, every time I walk into a situation, you know what I mean? Most times when I walk into a situation, that's the status quo anyway. You know what I mean? Why? I don't need to throw y'all a bone. You know what I mean? Now, don't get me wrong. I got my white homies. They definitely gonna work with me. You know what I mean? And I got my solid people. They definitely gonna work with me. But, you know, if I reach a certain number, right. Guys, listen, you know, John, you know, I got you, but I got to break it up and bring in this person, this person, because you're not going to have all, all any type of name. And they know, they know me. They know my get down. So it ain't nothing personal. It ain't like I'm singling out people not to hire. I'm just, I'm just want to make sure that when you look at this table, you know what I mean? It's, it's a buffet. You know what I mean? And you have quality people to choose from. And, you know, I want to open opportunities for those people for, you know, so they could show their ass and show these other kitchens, you know, how good they are and, and their ability. You know what I mean? All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, so this next little question here, a segment I'm going to call is this might offend my political, <laughs> which I probably did already. I, I probably just offended all my white, con- my white male connects. <laughs> nah, you good. You're keeping it real. It's all good. Um, I mean, it's food for thought for them as they navigate the mm-hmm. world as well to build their teams based off of how the world is reflected. Um, So let me ask you this. Um, In the industry, as you Mm -hmm. see it, who is underrated? Uh, I'm not talking about either, you know, either in front or behind Uh the camera. I'm mostly focused. This is mostly focused on Mm -hmm. crews and staff and stuff. Who's underrated? Who's overrated? uh, And who's properly rated? Joanna Simkin is properly rated makeup artist. Man, I worked with her on a music video. And, you know, she she is a freaking, she is a wizard with that brush, boy. I tell you, every time I see her work, I'm like, golly. And, you know, she's really, really good. She's really swift with the social media. Her, you know, Joanna Simpkin, if you go to her uh, Instagram, you'll see all her stuff. And she's really funny, clever, you know, family woman, yada, yada. But I'm really, really impressed with her, with her glow up, man. Because when I met her, you know, she was dope. She was dope. You know what I mean? Dope individual. You know what I mean? I didn't really get to see how talented she was, you know, because I think when we, I'm confident that when we met, social media wasn't that, wasn't that huge yet. So, you know, I didn't really, but now I'm seeing, I'm like, girl, you really, really get it. And I mean, and her range, yikes. Her range is dumb, yo. Her range is OD. She could do anybody. You know what I mean? You said she. You said she's properly yeah, she's rated. Yeah, she's properly rated. She's properly okay. rated. Yeah, she's properly rated because she could do anybody. I mean, she could literally. It yeah. don't matter what the complexion is. It doesn't matter what her, you know, what her, you know, the platform that she's working on or the palette or whatever language y'all, y'all makeup artists use that she's or the canvas. That's the word I'm looking for. Whatever canvas she gets, she gonna make it outstanding. So she pops off. She's definitely properly rated. Um, overrated. Who? Oh my God, there's a few of them, ain't they? Um. <laughs> Overrated. And here's the thing: you don't have to name names. You could. It could be. Even, I mean, you can. I, I, I ain't scared. Cool as well, I ain't but, scared. I ain't scared. Now, I'll name him. I'll name him, dog. <laughs> so here, here, here's how I answered this. And you know, I I recorded some of these for myself that I'll probably put out uh, at some point as I move along. 
Um, for me, I did underrated as just film crews in general. Okay. Like, you know, just in general. I mean, I love that you gave this lady's name. That's excellent because that's how I actually want to navigate is kind of give shout outs to specific mm-hmm. departments. Um, overrated for me in my capacity in, under the current landscape would be directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, te- television is expanded so wide and the crews take care of so much of the work that especially in television, you're just kind of, um, um, you know, you're invited to a party that you attending a party. You just got a late That's invitation it. to. Now you're, and, the, you're the substitute you teacher. <laughs> you exactly. just come in. You know what I mean? You got 10 episodes. If you're doing episode two, yeah, you know I mean, you just come in there. and you know. Listen, I, let's I, let me just put a pin on underrated, overrated, and properly rated to to briefly segue to that point right there about about that, and and then I'll jump right back to it. Here's the deal about you know directing episodic television is if you're not connected to it from the pilot level as a director, or you are not a producer on it who's doing say multiple episodes directing a few episodes on it. Dogs, you are Trent Dilfer, which means you're not asked to throw, you know, Trent Dilfer won the Super Bowl, right? With the Ravens, what was it? Yeah, you're just there management. for game management, dog. They, not, they, not, they don't want you to be out there trying to throw trying to throw 80-yard uh, passes, man. That, that ain't what you ain't trying to do to Patrick Mahomes. That's not their expectations of you. They just ask you not to throw any in, interceptions and just to move the, just keep moving the chains. That's your job. You know, they don't care about your fr- your, your fancy uh, drone shot or, your, you know, your techno crane, your 80 foot techno crane to get this shot. Because if that look is if a, look, a certain look has already been established, it is what it is. You know what I mean? So television is a whole different game for direct. Now, I, I, I like that you say that. However, if you can justify mm-hmm. those shots, which comes in your prep and your board, you might get it. You that get is it. crucial. You, you'll get right. it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Because they do have money set aside for some of the tricks and bells mm-hmm. and whistles, but you better come mm-hmm. in with some prep, and you better come in mm-hmm. with your shot list. You better come in with your boards, um, so, they, so can, they can be. We know, specific, yeah, they can justify yeah, it in exactly. that budget. So we could. I, I'm sorry, I was I was briefly interrupting you. Say so that we can figure out why you want to spend a hundred grand for that shot. I get it. You know what I mean? That's really right. what it comes down to. So. To that end, yeah, I feel like directors in television are game management people, man. Um, back to your point, though. Uh, overrated, underrated, or properly rated. Joanna Simpkin, I got is properly rated. You know what I mean? She can't be underrated because she's known. She can't be overrated because she's dope. So she's right in that pocket. Uh, overrated, you know, makeup artist was one. Let me see. Let me find somebody who's overrated. That would probably be a director. And there's so many of them. But then I would have to name a director who the general population would kind of know. You know, and and that's where it gets a little wonky for me. Um, underrated. That's easy. Just leave it at. Let's go to underrated. Yeah. Let me go to yeah, underrated. Go I think I got underrated down. Um, underrated, underappreciated. Um, Jesus, Lord have mercy. I don't know. I need to buy time. Give me your. Give me your underrated. No, just just leave it. No, I said I just gave film underrated. I just said film crew. Film crews in general is underrated. I just said the, yeah, it's in general. Like the 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 efficiency of you know getting a mm-hmm. script from every. I'm I'm just saying mm-hmm. the back of the call sheet from construction, transportation, hair, makeup, costumes, camera grip, lighting, the prep. I teams, think we're all the. You're not wrong. You're not yeah. wrong. I don't think it. I think it's not just that we're underrated. I just think we're the unsung heroes. But I do think that we're that that is understood. Um. You know, if people don't know what goes in, the general public have a vague idea of how long it takes to make, you know, an hour, you know, an hour and a half, a 90 minute movie. They don't know that, you know, sometimes we're shooting just like three or four minutes of a scene in one day. You know, all that money that we spend is one day. But, you know, between us, I think we know the film crew is the most under uh, the most unsung, you know, heroes of production and the film world, dude, because you know it's without us, man. How the hell do you get? How the hell do you get all that shit done, dude? How? No one director is that nice. Yeah. You know. Would you? So you're you're leaning for overrated more towards directors? Uh, are you looking leaning towards? Uh, I mean, I said um, properly rated was showrunners for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to keep a show's tone 
and and keep the the uh, the train on the tracks, produce the scripts, do with the editing, do with the casting. I mean, that's all encompassing in itself. Um, I've had those folks properly read it. I mean, you're you're uh, heads of TV shows, uh, and that job is tough. Right? You know who's underrated, and I, I I I got a few of them, but I'll just break it down by position. You know, the, I think perhaps one of the most underrated positions on the back of the call sheet is our script supervisor. Yes. I mean, script supervisors, man, are a good one. Oh, my God, it's worth their weight in gold, bro. Worth their weight in gold. Yeah. They're going to save That's you money. They're going to make your stuff look proper. They're going to be like, hey, you know what? He wasn't holding a cigarette in that hand. Hey, the ash is too damn long for this thing. Just those little subtle details, man. That's Just, a good one add so much more value and intelligence to your movie or your film or your TV show that it's just, it's beyond belief. I've done shows that where they try to cut corners and be like, oh, we don't need a, a script supervisor. And I'm like, what? Who's gonna, yeah. who's gonna take all these pictures? Who's gonna keep all this shit together? Because I ain't doing that. Well, we gotta right. do it by committee. Well, fuck this committee. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's important. That's important. The script oh my supervisor God. touches... The schedule, they touch the continuity. Mm -hmm. uh, they're dealing with costumes. They're oh my God. Day night breakdowns. Mm -hmm. uh, and, that's, and they're an army of one. Uh, they're they army of editorial. One. Oh my God. Yeah, that's important. That's very that's crucial. Yeah. I'm super underrated. You know what I mean? Because you don't hear yeah. people, it's only industry people. You know what? In fact, so underrated. Even before I got in, when, before I got into this business, I wasn't aware of the title of script supervisor, that position, and what it meant. Right. You know what I mean? That was a foreign concept to me. You know what I mean? I didn't, foreign, it didn't even exist. It was just not even foreign. It was just like, huh, what is that? You know what I mean? And then over time, I was just like, oh, 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 okay. You know what I mean? Line reads, all that stuff. So yes, super underrated script supervisor. I got to get you my overrated though. So let's put a pin in that. That might be for episode two if you call me back. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah, we'll put a pin on that one. Um, so this is doing some reflection on your own uh, ratedness. I mean, what give the uh, audience uh, a strength and a weakness of yours? Oh my God! Well, my strength is I'm really good with I. I think I'm really good with people. I'm really good with difficult personalities. Um, I've had some jobs where I've literally been hired because of my ability to deal with some challenging people, and that that you know that has it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Because, you know, you get a niche, but then sometimes you're just like, dude, seriously, like for real, like you, I'm tired of getting jobs because I got to work with some difficult fucking people. Why don't you, I just want to work with nice people. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then you're like, oh, right. but it's, it's a bag. You know what I mean? I'll go get that bag. So yada, yada, you know, but I think my strength is definitely, you know, I'm, I'm certainly a people person. And it's funny because in my personal life, I am still, I am a per people person as well, but I'm certainly like, scaled down version of what I am at work. You know, I'm, I'm certainly more of an introverted homebody. I'd much rather be on the sofa with my kids or running out playing with them and chilling at the crib than I would be out and about. Now I do have my out and about moments, but even then I have to have my wife with me. Not have to, but I prefer to, you know, because she's like my right hand. You know what I mean? So, you know, to that space, you know, um, being a people person has kind of served me well in this business at work because it's given me the opportunity to just kind of be able to navigate even when people are having tough days. I think my, my, my weakness or, or, or is, oh, that's crazy. That's a good one. Um, I don't think I have any logistical or, uh, you know, um, how to do the job weaknesses per se, um, because any part of my game that's even lacking, you know, I never had a problem say, you know, scheduling is something that we all learn how to do and we get better at. You know, it's nothing, I don't think anyone just comes in and knows how to schedule right off the rip, you know? That's a trial and error, and every day you're working and you improve that, right? Um, are we still on? I feel like this thing is yeah. cutting out. Okay, yeah, good, still good. on. I feel, I feel a little, I sound a little, I heard a little buzz. But, um, yeah, we're here. Scheduling is one of those things where, you know, you come in, you're still like, okay. You know, you get, you get better, you get better at, you improve that. So, but I don't count anything logistic or how to do the job, but I, I think my biggest weakness Huh. My biggest weakness. Damn, this is a good one. Um, oh, man, this is, a, this is a really good question. My, my greatest weakness. I know my strengths is people, but my weakness. Uh, that's, a, 
and I, just to share for my, I reflected on this, and this is always my go-to, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna charge folks for using it. But I guess for me, it's the same thing. I have a tendency. My strength and my weakness is the same thing. Mm-hmm. I have a tendency when I see something that needs to be done, I will do it. Mm-hmm. That's the strength because it's an assertiveness. Yeah, but however, you gotta... in film and TV, sometimes that's not your job. Mm-hmm. Right? If I see something that needs to be moved, see something that needs to be uh, locked up, see something to be picked up, see something that, you know, I'm always on the, let's do that. When Hold on, that's someone else's job. Don't touch that. Wait for that. You know, yeah. so I need, I get my hand slapped back because it's not your job. The, uh, it's not your job. <laughs> Delegate it. Yes. <laughs> Delegate it. You know, that right. used to be, that used to be a problem of mine. Um, not so much anymore, but you know, and, and you know, listen, for, for, for people that are listening, um, you know, that also there's, you know, you got to switch gears too, depending on your job title in the DGA space, right? Because when you're a second second, you know, you're kind of, you know, it's kind of is your job to get out there and not delegate, but to make it happen. Go pull that cone. You know what I mean? If you're close, you're close and you just go grab it. You know what I mean? And that could go right. the same for first ADs too. If you're close, you know, within reason, but you know, there are tasks. You have to certainly delegate a lot more when you start moving up the ranks, you know? And sometimes that's a transition that we have to go through thinking, oh, all right, well, shit, you know, I got to f- stop thinking like this position and start thinking more like this position. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that's really for the greater good. And why, Tep, why do you, why is it not good to delegate? I mean, why is it good to delegate and not just immediately jump to get shit done as a first AD? Because you need, you need to be where you need to be. And that's by the director and by the DP. You know what I mean? You right. need to be close to them. You can't be peeling off to go do something <laughs> just because, you know what I mean? And to be honest with you, I don't think it's a good look because it doesn't make you look like you have proper control of your ship. I think the smoothest ADs are the ones that are able to stand there and never look like they're pressed, you know what I mean, to do anything because it's all under control. You know what I mean? So it's all yeah. just a click of the button and you're like, okay, yeah, it's taken care of. And then you keep it pushing. But, um, you know, to, to your point, to your question, to your question, um, I think one of my biggest weaknesses is, um, is, uh, wow. I can't believe it. This sounds arrogant, don't it? Sound like that nigga, you ain't got no weaknesses, bro. You ain't got none. <laughs> like, come on, you can't think of any. Uh, just put a pin on that. Something you want to work, something you want to prove upon. I, I mean, you know, the, things I want to, that's another way to ask a very similar question. Things that I want to approve upon. You know what? Things are oh, one thing. Well, I'd like to adapt some styles of, of the personalities of the OGs that came before me. Um, and that is one of extreme calm. Um, I think at times um, I tend to be uh, at nine when I only need to be at a five. And I find that most times we really only ever need to be at a five. If you've handled all your stuff and everything's together, you got to be at a five. And, you know, because here's the thing, if the volume is 10, okay, or the intensity or the workload, and, 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 and Ted, by the way, just, so, just to clear it up, when I say nine instead of five, it's kind of vague because nine could mean intensity. It could mean how loud I am. It could mean so many different things. When I say nine, I just mean like my energy, my vibe, you know what I mean? What I'm working on. Like, I'm more like a, you know, a coach where it's just like, come on, let's go. Let's get it. Bye-bye. Boom. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Enthusiasm, yada, yada. Let's do it. But then other times I watch other ADs who are really, really good. And it's not to say I'm not, but I mean, I've watched some guys who I'm really impressed by. And you could, you know, if it weren't, you wouldn't even be able to tell that things are, you know, that things are falling apart or anything because they're not putting, it's just an ex, a certain way of executing the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that for me is something that I'm, I'm always very cognizant of and trying to adapt a little bit more into my personal style, you know, um, some sets. That's a good one. That's a good one. It's reaction there. Yeah. You know, and and, and some sets won't let you get away with that either. You know what I mean? You can't really just walk onto a set and, and, you know, and be a blowhard on certain movies, man, because they're going to be like, Hey dog, that's not how we do things around here. You got to beat it. You know what I mean, you got to come in with a certain finesse. You know what I mean? Right. And that's that's what it is. For me, it's just I would like to start working on just kind of just being at a level where it's just like, dude, uh, we got it done. Okay, wonderful. Let's go ahead and, and do this and let's do that and boom and move forward. 
All right, cool. Two more questions here. This one here is uh, who do you look forward to working with in front and behind the camera that you haven't worked with before? Um, Roger Deakins, DP. Um, and um, in front of the camera, you know, I'm, p- I'm picking all these technical positions, but behind the camera might even be a writer or somebody, man. That's a really good question. Um, I'm a fan of so many people in this. That's what makes this business so awesome is just, you know, how you're just working hand in hand with people you've admired before, before you even got here, you know? Um, but uh, in front of the camera, in front of the camera, in front of the camera, I'd like to see who would I like to see in front of the, that does that works in front of the camera. I'm a big fan of. Um, I like what Issa Rae's doing. I'm a big fan of her. Um, I, I like that, you know, she's, she's out here, you know, got here, like get her little mini Oprah on. That's kind of dope. You know what I mean? Um, there's, there's certainly other creatives that are a little bit older who I, who I, you know, I had the opportunity to work with, with the man Denzel himself, you know, obviously I didn't take that job as I said earlier, but that would have been exciting. Um, you know, I, I also hear really good things about him being really, really positive about, you know, in the, in the black community, more specifically black men and trying to make sure that they are on and, and, and that they setting them up for success. And those are people I always like, I always want to mess with. Yeah. I put that down. I, I had uh, Denzel in front. Yeah. I, I hear he's focused and serious on set. Mm-hmm. Um, straight to uh, all about business. business and I like that I like that yeah and um that energy behind the camera I had my man uh Bradford Young DP Ooh, yeah Bradford uh, Young is dope I haven't I mean he and I were in college together he was in grad I was in undergrad and I haven't worked with him professionally mm-hmm. um but I you know I just I love just to uh because that energy he had that was 15 plus years ago wow um would be dope, man. Now that we are, you know, actually getting paid for these, right. you know, these uh, these things, right. man. And so, <laughs> right. Those are my two, man. Right. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm yeah. a big fan. I'm a big fan of Bradford. And the thing, I, you know, what I love most, or maybe not most, but I love a lot, is, you know, and this this probably goes for a lot of departments. So I mean, but you know, those the two departments, or you know, the two unions that have very few men of color representing, man, would be the DGA and and Camera Six Hundred. You know what I mean? I mean, and he's doing it. He's performing at a very high level in a space where there ain't too many of us and not a lot of representation. You got to love that. You got to love it. You got to love it. If not, you hating. You know what I mean? So to see a man moving like that and to do it, you know what I mean, as a man of color, man, that's that's love. But, you know, you got a whole nother relationship. Y'all, where'd you go to school at? I went to Howard, man. He was our grad, you know, our grad assistant. Really? And we used to shoot. Uh, I mean, he was, uh, bro, that's a whole nother class, man. And he was talking high level filmmaking and the emotion and the color temperature Ooh. and the, the light at the right time. And it was like, dog, you know, it was, he was describing the type of Kodak film that works best with this type of uh, color on the wall. And oh. so it was, um, and this is a brother. I mean, it was straight up. This was just, so mm. he was tough, man. I mean, I can go in a whole tangent about that. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, and then we're gonna wrap it up yeah. after this. Um, what I want to do with these podcasts is kind of have the guest refer someone they want to hear their answers to these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna create different branches of trees, mm-hmm. so we all can kind of, uh, you know, each one teach one on that. You create some good good names on mm-hmm. this. Um, if you want to hear from a crew member or a AD or production designer or you know casting or hair and makeup. Like, if I had to sit down with the next person, you tag someone else and say, okay, uh, your turn to answer these questions, Joanna, uh, or whoever. Ah, well, shoot, you said Joanna. I'm going to throw Joanna under the bus right now and say, yeah, tag Joanna right quick. But, you know, and, and also tag David Bernstein, man. David Bernstein is a freaking dog. That boy, his stories got stories. And those stories got stories. So, I mean, you can, he sit down, man, and he'll tell you some stuff, bro, that'll just blow your mind. Now, I don't know if he'll actually drop the names. I know he'll drop it off the record. <laughs> you feel me? But, yeah. um, no, he's, he's, uh, he's an amazing one, Joanna. I, I, Joanna, I'm only intrigued because, like I said, I watched her glow up over the past 10 years. And to see her, to see where she, where, you know, where I met her and where she is now 
it's just you know it's a beautiful thing to watch man you know i re- look you know what and to, the, to that point oh that's you know i even i barely made that connection Issa and joanna work a lot together i know that and um it's funny because i watched Issa too Issa did the same thing she was doing that awkward black girl series remember for you right. two you know right. what i mean so for her that yeah. dogs that's man that for me man that's what this town is all about bro that's what makes the, what we do so exciting. And I think intuitively we knew that when we got in here was just, you could literally be PA in today and tomorrow you're running a studio. You know what I mean? Like that's one of the, this is one of the few industries that give you that kind of opportunity. If you want it, it's there. All you gotta do is reach out and go grab it. There it is. All right, cool. Uh, beautiful episode, Anderson. Starting this thing off, we'll do a weekly podcast. We tagging Joanna and uh, David Bernstein. Going yes, sir. Uh, this is the Film Crew Love Pat, uh, Podcast. Anderson, where can they reach you? What handle? Oh, or, at, at the uh, real, at the real Anderson, guys. And it's a play on words, right? It's an entendre. The real R E E L Anderson, A N D E R S O N. On all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and then I don't do Facebook. So there it is. Twitter, Instagram, um, The Real Anderson. There it is. Film Crew Love Podcast. One One love, love, brother. One.